Hey, Scuttlebuds, how you doing? Rick Fink here. Just wanted to say Happy New Year. Thanks for checking in. Liz and I are still, you know, resting and recovering and rejuvenating. We'll be back next week in studio with a new, a brand new episode. But today we're going to give you another Scuttlebutt Select. Here is uh, guest comics that we've had in the last year or so. And uh, I think you're going to like them. we got Will Noonan, Mark Riley, Andrew Della Volpe, Pat Collins, Mitzi Ann Picardo, and Mike O'Brien. Are you ready to do this? We're hanging. Small Town Scuttlebots. Okay, guys, we've got Will Noonan up first. Leading off, Will Noonan. Will showed up on our um, No Apologies World Tour, where Liz and I um, came home. We did a we did a we had a home game here in Medfield at the Zulo Art Gallery. Had Will come on as our special guest, crushed it with like a fifteen minute set, and then he sat in studio with us, or sat on stage in the studio setting with us and we cracked wise for a while and this guy he's got cool stories he's very charismatic fun guy fun guy and uh if you didn't go to the show or you didn't hear the episode this one comes from e131 february 7 no apologies world tour featuring will noonan There's a story that I know, a personal story of yours, and I want you to share it with everybody yeah. about the lead up to and the aftermath of your first national television appearance. Yeah, it was live too, live national television. So, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, no, that just makes it even worse. Like, Rick, Let me do it all over again. Rick loves this story because it's brutal, but so this is eight years ago. Before I, I don't want you guys to feel bad for me when I tell this story, but it was eight years ago, and I had, uh, I was very much in love with this young actress. <laughs> And we were, we had been together like two, two or three years and I was shopping for engagement ring. She didn't even know that I was looking around, thinking about it, asking people. And, uh, she went to LA to, to do some work and I was like, Hey, look at us show business couple. You're going to LA. I'm going to New York to do my first like national television appearance live. Uh, this is going to be crazy. Gotham comedy live was the show. So I, uh, you know, she goes off there, and the night before I'm supposed to drive down to New York and do this thing, she calls me and says, I'm staying in L.A., I hooked up with a producer, and we've, you know, I've cheated on you, and it's it's over, you know? And I'm like, fuck, that's pretty bad timing, you know? <laughs> I was also like, I'm about to be more famous than I've ever been, you know? But uh, heartbroken, see, I told you guys, you still feel bad for me, but anyway... I had to drive to New York the next, I couldn't sleep. I was all bummed out if you've ever had your heart broken. I was like all messed up. First time it ever happened really in that way. And uh, I paid my buddy, my roommate. He was like a loser pothead guy. I was like, <laughs> he will never listen to this. He, um, <laughs> he did nothing all day, every day. He still does nothing all day, every day. And I, he's not my roommate anymore. My wife's my roommate now, but. <laughs> <laughs> I paid him a hundred cash. I was like, here's a hundred dollars cash. You cannot, you have to stay by me all day long and you cannot let me quit or, or chicken out or feel sorry for myself or anything. So he's like, yeah, okay. So we drove down to New York and 
I did it. It was live. Uh, Dave Coulier, who played Uncle Joey on <laughs> Full House, was the host. And there's really, if you've had your heart broken by a woman, there's no one better to be around than Uncle Joey. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, hey, Will, I heard you got broken up with. That stinks, bud. Need a hug? Come on, let's hug it out. And I'm like, childhood icon. Yeah, let's do it. So, of course, I had a great time. And I could see it in my eyes when I watched the uh, the special that I'm kind of like, ah, a little crazy. But it honestly got it ended up being the best thing that ever happened to me. I ended up opening for Dave Coulier for a while after that. And... Uh, and now I'm married to a beautiful woman that I love, and she barely cheats on me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like we talked about it in, in class because it's like so it, it's like comedy is kind of like, you know, you have to do it. Like it's when the gig is on, you have to do it. Mm -hmm. And if something bad happens to you the night before, like it doesn't matter. You still have to go up there and be like, ah, you know. I got a gay face, you know, so. <laughs> so it was a big lesson, but it was also, it was, uh, yeah, it was one of those, probably one of my crazier stories as mm -hmm. far as like overcome. Cause I was saying it to the students cause they're like, Oh, I had kind of a rough day. I don't feel like doing a set. I'm like, try having your heart stopped on <laughs> by a chick who fucked Dana Carvey's son. <laughs> 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 That's great. Yeah, no. So, what happened to this girl? Didn't she want to take you back? Oh yeah, yeah. She tried to get me back. Of course, after I aired. Oh. And uh, yeah, I just didn't. I, I was not that dumb. I was like, mm -hmm. no way. Uh, <laughs> I tell you what, she showed up at my parents' house on Christmas Eve. Ooh, <laughs> that's yeah. creepy. Yeah. Her and the lady, uh, she almost had a hunt. I thought she might have had a hunting rifle herself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so that was some drama. But I, I, my wife now is not an actress. She's a physical therapist, and that was wise of me. <laughs> yeah, good for you. All yeah. right, thanks. Awesome. So. I didn't know this got, this got kind of like Barbara walters -y. Okay, so Liz, why don't you take it on to, let's move on to the um, small town perspectives portion sure. of the interview. Are you ready for this? I world? am ready for this. Because you're from Milton? Milton, Milton yeah. and the son of a police officer. That's so right. I, so mm. what was that like? It was pretty great. Well, he was a Boston police officer, okay. so it was kind of like, but uh, my sister was a Milton police officer for a little while, and uh, a lot of cops in my family. So it's not that bad. Honest to God, like when I grew up, it was all I knew. I thought everyone had like dudes and uniforms around all the time. And, <laughs> Uh, but it was pretty good. You get away with a lot when your dad's a Boston cop. You know? yeah. what's, what's the biggest thing you got away with? Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably a few speeding related mm -hmm. things. And the small town cops used to ha hassle. I mean, I love a small town cop. Like, that's got to be a great gig. You know what I mean? Like, just chasing Apparently kids. not here. Yeah. We can't hire any of them. Um, <laughs> they hire a comedian to do it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll be like, hey, no, no underage drinking. And uh, do you guys think my face is gay? Like, I'll use that one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, they used to chase us out of the woods and they made kind of a game of it. And uh, a couple of times I would just drop, uh, you know, drop his name or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, but I mean, they were nice to us. I, I kind of feel bad for kids now. Like, did the cop have like a body cam when they're like chasing him out of the woods? Like they used to let us go and kind mm -hmm. of go, oh, you're a high school kid. Like, you know, I don't want to ruin your day and ruin your life. And now I feel kind of bad, but. Also, I could get into Red Sox games for free, so that was pretty sweet. Oh, that's sweet. awesome. Yeah. And before 9-11, I could take the Amtrak to New York for free, too, so that was sweet. That ended quick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, like, good for two months. And then. Would you move back to Milton, your hometown? I would love to, honestly. I'm moving. I'm actually moving to Hyde Park uh, 
not to brag, but <laughs> uh, right on the Milton line. So I'm trying to even just get a whiff of it uh, again. But I would. I was saying to Rick, I, go, I, I was driving here. And I was like, man, this, this is dope. This is living out here. So I would look, a little floor trader came out there for a second. <laughs> it's uh, a nice town. Big swinger scene in Milton big or no? Big swinger scene, yeah. Uh, it's not good, though. It's not, it's not Medfield quality. <laughs> It's more like a couple ex-townies, you know, just videotaping themselves. <laughs> Swingers are real, though, man. I've seen them doing comedy a couple times. They'll, really? Yeah, they'll come up to you and they'll be like, I remember Ari Lang, I opened for him. Mm-hmm. And he goes, if a couple comes up to you and they say they want you to watch them have sex, that means she wants to watch you have sex with the guy. <laughs> He's like, don't do it. Never works out. Don't do I mean, it's yeah. not like you'd consider doing it. I don't think he had to say that. Uh, the, road, the road's a lonely place. Uh, never you know? say so, never. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those early days in the road, you're like, well, they might have, even, even just for the better comforter than the hotel, you might go over there. <laughs> Okay, so our next comic, Mark Riley, is my neighbor. It's cool. He's been on the show three times. I mean, how convenient. When you got a headlining Boston comedian who's been doing it for over 20 years, and then he just so happens to move literally within a mile and a half of your house in the town in which you live, you definitely want to go introduce yourself to the guy. Get yourself acquainted. It's a good partnership. Me and Mark, we're good buds. Um, I look up to him and his career. It's awesome. By the way, if you haven't picked up on this, every comic on here has somehow helped me or influenced me or just been a really cool person that I just want to, you know, highlight. So Mike has been so helpful with my comedic endeavors. He's given me some opportunities and he's given me a lot of, a lot of feedback and, uh, I, I, I can, I can only, uh, I want to say thanks to Mark, and here is Mark, and we're talking about showbiz. I got this thing here from Boston Casting that um, a previous guest oh, yes. said yeah. to me, uh, Julie Daroshinsky, mm-hmm. Cousin Julie. Cousin Julie. Um, did you know about this? It's a movie coming up? No. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw my hat. You should. Why not? I'm, I'm in uh, Boston Strangler, by the way. Are you are? Hulu, yeah. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, for I... all of about four seconds, but... What did you do? I just... I was a bystander when um, Kira Knightley's walking into the brownstone there. Oh, wow. And uh, I had the scally cap on, and I did the wrong thing, looked at the camera twice oh. so that I'd get my face on there. <laughs> <laughs> they tell you not to do that, but I'm like, yeah, no, that's not Right, happening. this is, yeah, my opportunity. When, uh... <laughs> I don't. I, I can't really see, but this is just a like a movie they're, thing. Yeah, they're looking for uh, comedians and uh, improv actors to just kind of fill some bit parts in a upcoming piece. I, I've never. Uh, what's it like? Casting. You just. Uh, it's, it's a nightmare. It's just boring. Is it? What's, uh, yeah. what, what's your experience? It's, like, what was it like? You're uh, okay. So you're in a Hulu movie. Let's let's start with that. Well, that was just a, an extra thing. That was through. Mm-hmm. Um, Jody Purdy casting. And it was just, you know, one of those things where you show up and you're there all day. And they did that take like probably 10 times, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was all day on that one street. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's fun. When you go and read for this stuff, though, a lot of these things, the way the business works, they're already cast, uh-huh. you know. And, you know, they, they bring in so many people 
to read for a certain part and by chance if you're that person that they're looking for, you know. Um, they, they were casting a referee for the Dunkin' Donuts commercial, a uh, hockey referee, yep. for the one Pasta did, Pasta Knock did. Oh, right. And so it's like, all right, you, you know, hello. Right. And uh, I, I, the director loved me. I, I corrected him on some things. He was giving away 10-minute penalties for, you know, cross-checking or whatever. And I'm like, yeah. dude, this is not right. Yeah. And we got we had a great talk and everything. Mm-hmm. And then um, it I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they gave it to a union guy, and he was barely in the commercial, so mm-hmm. it wasn't a big deal. But it kind of, you know, it, it's it's whacked. My buddy Jimmy Dunn, who who's been in a couple of sitcoms, he has. If you ever want an education on how the business works, mm-hmm. he's the guy to talk to because it, it's it's insane what you have to go through uh, if you're not already established. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's fun. You know, you go and you know you. I've I've read for a bunch of things, but. Is that something you, you know, want to pursue acting or are you oh, I'd more lo- yeah, no, okay. I'd love to, uh, I'd love to do movies and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That'd yeah. be a lot of fun, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, it's, 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 it's a good experience mm-hmm. to go through, but you got to go into it with the right attitude. Like, you know, it's, uh, you know, I just read for, uh, uh a part in the new Ted series that's going to be coming out on, I don't know if it's Hulu or Netflix or whatever. Uh, Seth MacFarlane's doing it. Oh wait, we're oh based about- on the movie Ted. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and um, I read for Dennis the dump truck, <laughs> uh, who's this snarky racist dump truck? <laughs> and, uh, I'm not sure why someone thought of me. But <laughs> I, I nailed it. I know that. So, um, so we'll That's see what awesome. happens with that. But. It's fun to read, you know, read for stuff. And mm-hmm. every everyone wants a Boston accent, though, mm-hmm. and, you know. And certain people can do them, and certain people have them. Mm-hmm. And do you cringe when you hear non-Boston-born <sighs> actors do the accent? Because I do. <laughs> Fever Pitch was one of the worst things to list, you know, watch. Mm-hmm. Just because mm-hmm. I, I love Jimmy Fallon, but, yeah. dude, you're not from Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, you know, and you can't fake it. Yeah, I, I don't think you can fake it. Um, so, I mean, certain people... Like uh, City on a Hill. Um, uh, oh, yeah, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. He did a really good job, I felt like. At times, though, he goes over the top, mm-hmm. you know, but he he did, a, he did a nice job. So they, you know, I guess it can be done. Mm-hmm. But we, you know, Boston, we, we're we so provincial and so, right. you know, protective of stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. We, we are the only ones that can do this and we're the only ones. That, <laughs> exactly. But yeah. it's it, it, that's the neat part of growing up here is like you have that, you know, passion and mm-hmm. like I'll never wear another sports team's shirt. Mm-hmm. It's just been a rule of mine. I think yeah. my father instilled into me that you don't buy shirts or hats from other teams. Mm-hmm. And it's just so stupid. But it's, <laughs> no, my, you know, some of the other logos are cool. Right. Yeah. My like, son's super into baseball hats and he's got baseball hats from uh, different mm-hmm. teams, different whatever. And my parents took him to the mall a couple <laughs> years ago <laughs> and he wanted to buy a Lakers hat. And my dad is hard core Celtics like yeah. had season tickets mm-hmm. when we were growing up took us to games he actually took my son to his first Celtic mm-hmm. first Celtics game and my father's like you can have anything else in the store but I will not buy you that <laughs> I love that and there it is right yes. there that's right. Yeah. there it is yeah. Yep. Yep. oh yeah that's part of our DNA here in New England I think so well speaking of sports I read first of all I would okay you wrote penalty box and it's uh it's the what do you call it the manuscript Right? Uh, script. Script. script, yeah, it's a movie, and a feature-length full movie 
It's like 130 pages. I read it. And it's supposed to be 90. Is that's, it? Yeah. What, that's what they say. That, like, But there's just so much exposition yes. in explaining. Because mm -hmm. if a non-hockey person reads that, mm -hmm. they're not going to understand if you just... I understand. You know, because yep. um, my, my buddy, John Siemens, who wrote it with me, mm -hmm. he's like a writer. He won an award for the uh, Woods Hole Film Festival oh, wow. in the air. Like okay. he's, you know, I worked with him at the Parks Department years ago for uh -huh. Bo in Boston yeah. when I was refereeing mm -hmm. and told him about the idea and... You know, like five years later, he calls me up and says, what do you do with that? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So we sat and wrote it. And, um, you know, he's he's like, it's got to, we got to, um, we got to, I don't know if I can say kill your babies. That's what the term is in mm -hmm. writing, mm -hmm. where you have scenes that you cut out. Yeah. And, um, oh, yeah, I'm going to be canceled for that, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, although I'm not famous enough to be canceled, so yeah. cancel me. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll get some publicity. But um, so you got to cut out like we that thing was 160 pages when we first finished it. But we had to cut out certain stuff. And um, and it's hard to do because yeah. that's my life. Yep. That's all true, mildly embellished. Sure. You know, sure. Um, some of the scenes. It didn't go exactly the way they are in there. Uh -huh. Like I didn't actually beat up the alligator mascot yeah. in Louisiana <laughs> on the ice, yeah. but I did chase him off the ice. That's awesome. And try to knock down his dressing room door for messing with me. But yeah. um, it, it's all stuff that happened, and mm -hmm. so it's kind of it's personal. You know what's funny? Actually, it's sad. It's when you realize that you're getting old. You know, a lot of times. It could be anything. It could be like you're watching the Patriots and the players are younger than you. That's that's an indicator. Like, I'm not buying a jersey with the name of a guy who's younger than me. That's Who does that? I don't know. I, I never got that. But anyway, tangent. I kind of get a sense that I'm getting older because this next comic that's coming on is younger than me considerably. Like, he's still in his 20s. I can't get my head around that. His name is Andrew Della Volpe. He's been doing it for several years, and he's... Uh, he opened for Jimmy Dunn. You know, this guy is a super big, super big comic. He's um, featured on the new Frasier TV show. And um, let's see, Andrew Della Volpe is, uh, he's going around with, with Bob Marley, you know, on a tour, opening for him. Things are happening for this guy. And it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Andrew Della Volpe, very nice guy. This episode or this excerpt comes from episode 141, back in April 18 of 2023. Well, I just, don't, I just don't get the world we're, we're living in, yeah. and I, I appreciate having conversations about it, and yeah. I really don't give a fuck at the end of the day. Yeah. If, like, where, like, like, if you came in and, and, and went against all of my personal beliefs, like yeah. where I stand, how I vote and all that, yeah. I, I don't care. Like, yeah. that's your prerogative. You're a regular it's, it's, person. It's America. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to just sort of be a victim and offended. Like, I want... <laughs> so I came up. Okay. I came up with some words that I don't think we should be able to say Oh, anymore. let's hear them. Okay. And then you tell me what you think. By the looks of you, I'm guessing receding hairline. Dude, you know what? I am... No, I am a... I am. Uh, you have you have beautiful hair. It's thinning. It's going to... I'm going to No, it's not. The top it is. Fuck I'm that, dude. On. Dude, you... You have like the greatest curliest hair Thank ever. You. I appreciate it. It's like you're rubbing it in my face too. It's like it's. Uh, I made sure it's... to shampoo before this, so it's volumized. <laughs> it's warm today. It's puffed out. Yeah. Oh, it's a. It's just the humid hair. Humid hair. Yeah. yeah. 
Is it really thinning though, or you just fucking? Uh, I swear to God, yeah. Both my everyone on my mom's side, which I'm told is what affects it, uh, mm-hmm. bald from the top. Yeah, no Armenians, kidding. Yeah, we're bald people. So, are you gonna do something about it? Well, I've been thinking. I was like, you know, when like you start, like when I started comedy, I was like, what? At Red College, I was like 22. I was like, there's no way I'm not famous in like six years. So I'll just like mm-hmm. buy the hair transplant surgery then. Yeah. It's like four or five years later, and I'm not quite famous yet. Yep. So I might just. Be a cool bald guy. I don't know. I think I would do. I like the look where it's you shave it all. And it's just heavy stubble from the chin to the head. Yeah, I've done that. Before. I've picked out like the winter hats I'm gonna get when I uh, <laughs> <laughs> like. I want to get the Carhartt like blue heathered hat. Like I've gone through all that. You've got like a five year hair plan. Yeah, but I also plan for it to be gone now. So I'm like, I've hung on this long. I'm just gonna hang on. And I think as long as you smile and don't take yourself seriously, you can have any. Situa- hair situation, it's okay. But oh, it's something sure. I've stressed about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But you look good. You want to hear my very sexy dad? Who me? Yeah, you're yeah. very sexy dad. Well, thank you. Thank you. Speaking of dad, I got a lot of these uh some of these terms relate yeah. to being a man, being a father. This is what I identify as. Okay. And there are some terms that I think are a little derogatory, Andrew. Okay. The first me. one is father. <laughs> and the reason there's two this is this is two reasons. Okay. One, the first three letters spells fat. <laughs> and we don't need to be reminded of that. Yeah. Uh, the other part of father, which I would like to just end that word, you yeah. know, from scratch that from the vernacular. Right? Sure. The lexicon, if you will, because the last three letters spells her. And that is not my pronoun. <laughs> Fat and her are in the word that you refer to me. I don't like it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> is it? Is it good? Should pretty I be- good. Yeah. You could use that. Yeah. What do you <sighs> want to be called? Daddy? Dad. Dad. My son, nine, is nine years old. He still calls me daddy. I'm not going to stop that. Yeah. They figure that. I feel like the kids figure that one out on their own. The last one, gentleman. Mm. I don't think you should say gentleman anymore. Really? Yeah, because it, I just think those expectations are too high. That's funny. You look like a gentleman right now. You got your button down. Your, uh, college shirt <laughs> I, my polo shirt. Yeah, but usually I wear like a, I don't know. You know why? Because I was going out uh, hanging posters around town for our oh, stand nice. comedy show, and I didn't want to look, look like a slob. I even shaved. I was like, I, I should probably look a little presentable as I go in and ask people to. That's funny. Yeah. Anyway, do you want to wrap this up soon? Um, yeah, I got a few more minutes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I got some listener emails here. I'll, I'll pick one out. Okay. And uh, this one comes from a, uh, a Will Noonan. <laughs> oh, really? Mm-hmm. It says, ask him how seeing his mom almost choke to death changed him. Wait, this is a good story, actually. He really sent this in? Yeah. So I was home. I'm in the first summer after college, and me and my sister were eating dinner with my mom. Mm-hmm. She's choking uh, badly to the mm-hmm. point where we call 911. Ooh. It's, like, scary, and I'm doing, I'm trying to hit her with the Heimlich. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just banging on her ribs, just fucking punching and shit, right? Wait, are you facing her, or are you behind her? No, I was behind her. I was okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but I got you. Okay, yeah, so. and my sister calls, and my sister's like, my mom's choking, hurry. Like, it's, it's scary, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, like, after a while, she coughs it up. But, like, I'm calling my buddy who's, like, a... In med school, I'm like, what do we do? She coughs it up, and then the ambulance gets there, and they walk in, and she's like, yeah, I'm good, right? So I'm like, scary. So you saved her life. Kind of. I mean, the Heimlich. I don't know if that helped or the if Heimlich it didn't worked. I did the Heimlich, and then a few more seconds passed, and then she got it up. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I We could say it worked. You got the assist. I loosened it. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, know? you jostled something. Yeah, I jostled something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, I should put saved a life in my bio. Yeah, that's a, that's a credit right there. Andrew Del Volpe interned for Sasha Baron Cohen before leaving to save a life. Okay, anyways, sounds nice. Uh, 
so years go by mm-hmm. and I'm driving to the Cape to visit my family and like my grandparents are going, it's like a big party day, right? And, I get a, and I'm listening to Jimmy Fallon tell a story on his pod, someone's podcast about his wife choking and how it was so scary. And all of a sudden I'm getting like really like teared up and sad and I'm like, oh my God, like we're going out of the Cape. Like I really got to be present. Cause you know, you with your family, you're like, this person sucks. I hate being here. It's such a hassle. I'm like, I got to be present. I got to really spend time with my family. Appreciate it. Imagine if we lost my mom, how horrible that would be. Right. And I'm feeling all those things. But then my mom calls and she goes, Andrew, where are you? You're supposed to be here an hour ago. You didn't mow the lawn. The house is a mess. Dad's pissed. And I'm like, this fucking bitch. I hope she chokes this time. I'm not calling the police. I swear to God, I'll let her choke myself. I'll choke her myself. Like I flipped so quickly from being like, wow, I really need to appreciate my time with my family to, I will choke her myself. That is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, who doesn't like a good self-deprecating comic? I was always, I almost said self-defecating. Could have been worse. Could have been self-decapitating. <clears throat> no, self-deprecating comedy. It's it's a winner, right? And Pat Collins delivers it so well. He was in the studio for episode 151. This one is uh, comes to you from June 27. We're talking about summer plans and life experience. I'll tell you a, a quick story about you know Fenway Park. The mistake. At least my experience, it never it never really gets old. Like every time I walk in there, yeah. it's still a little oh. <laughs> and I worked uh, security at Fenway, you know, for three summers in a row, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so I got to see these guys. I was on the field, and like during TV timeouts or whatever, you walk down to the whatever, and mm-hmm. you stand and you look at the crowd, and make sure no jackass runs on the field or anything like that, and you get to meet some of the players, and it, it's cool, but yeah. every time you go to work and you walk up that ramp, it's still the same thing. You're like, wow, what am I doing here? Yeah. And uh, But the best is when you're in the bleachers because it's mayhem out there all the time. Mm-hmm. Sure. And over the years, it's become mixed mayhem. Like, you got family sitting there, right. and then you got all the drunks out right. there, too. Yep, yep. So I was out there one time, and, and your job, you know, there's something like 42 uniformed police officers on duty all the time for every single game. So you hear these stories about security and breaking up fights and stuff like that. Most of that is is rare. Yeah. Like, the only time you're supposed to jump into the fray is if, like, there's a bunch of drunks and they're going to tumble over and crush, like, mm-hmm. a family who's sitting there. <laughs> or they're wearing Yankees hats. But it's, it's, it's <laughs> Yeah, exactly. In which case, you just help them out. You mm-hmm. just jump in and... You hold them. So a storm rolled in. I was working the bleachers. And the bleachers, it's, it's you know, fun. Mm-hmm. And you got the bullpens right here, right here. And... um so a storm rolls in, I don't know, and it was lightning everywhere, and it was just an immediate, like, thunderclap, and bleachers scatter and whatever. And uh, so I get the call on the walkie-talkie, can you get down to the bullpen? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, hold on a sec. So uh, I make my way all the way down to the bottom of the bleachers and hop the fence, and I was down on the bullpen. So now there's the Cleveland Indians, and they're all lined up. They're under the, the overhang, the pitchers yeah. and the catchers. And they see this little guy, this Spider-Man, who just jumped the wall. I'm like, all right, I'm in the bullpen. What do you need me to do? I just need you to turn around, look over the wall, make sure nobody, you know, hops the fence, gets on the field. I go, no problem, over. And I turn around, I look, and now all these guys are staring at me. And I go, yeah, I got a problem. What's the problem? Yeah, I can't see over the fence. (laughs) All these guys lose it. So 
Tony Pena Jr. He goes, I've been there, kid. I've been there. Oh he tossed me a piece of bazooka. <laughs> we'll send somebody else out over. Go back up to where you were. I'm like, I can't climb the fence either. They're like, just come back down. Oh, my God. That's great. But but the mystique of Fenway Park never yeah. goes away. Yeah. Yep. I think it's like something like oh, over a million fans make it there in the summertime. Really? Yeah. A lot of people like to go there for summer vacations. Which was the theme of our show. Right. I do this all the time. We go off on tangents all the time. I do want to get back to the New Hampshire Mm -hmm. um, storyland storyland stuff because have you ever been to? Can we just go around the horn like all the northern New Hampshire? Have you been up there to all these places? Storyland, Santa's Village, multiple times. Pick one. Which is better? I mean, they're both awful for a parent, but I think my kids had more fun at Santa's Village. I think so too. Yeah, and we didn't go the first couple of years. The second or, or the mm-hmm. third, fourth year, they were a little bit older. Yeah. They could go to the water park and stuff. Yeah. The thing about Santa's Village, I think the rides are better, but more importantly, they have fucking trees. There's yes. some shade there. <laughs> yes. There's not a tree to be found in Storyland. No. It's literally just mm-hmm. just just sun. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's, so it's true. It's overcast today. I think we'll be all right. No, 170 <laughs> degrees at Storyland all the time. I'm gonna deviate and say, uh, let's show some love to. Clark's Trading Post. Never took the kids. You never took the no, kids? No, me either. Went there as a kid, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a place that uh, we'll see how, how that stands the test of time mm-hmm. because they train, so if you don't know, they train bears to do tricks, and they're in a big cage with some guy who's, Leslie and I went with the kids a couple years ago, and the guy has not changed his set. Oh, my God, since really? Since, like, 1982 <laughs> when I went there. He was yeah. making... Um, Jokes that I didn't even get anymore, and Leslie would have to explain the bit. I'm like, what's what's nice and easy? Like he made a a, a a reference to nice and easy the hair coloring thing. Oh my god, from like, like thirty years ago. Yeah, and I'm like, what's nice and easy? She's like, he, it's the hair <laughs> thing. And I'm like, oh, I remember those commercials. Like, Who like, was in those commercials? Yeah, it's like Clarial or something. Yeah, it wasn't Brooke Shields, no, but it, it was no, someone no, like that. It was like Annette from the Mickey Mouse Club. Annette, Annette Funicello. Yeah. <laughs> That's. I remember I the nice so and easy commercials. I dating myself right now. Oh, my God. I mean, I don't know. I, I think she's passed away. I think but so, But she too. must have been 50 then. Right. Like 30 years or ago. Or she was 20 but looked 50. You know, like in the 80s. Like, if you watch a movie from the 80s, all the high school kids look like they're 35. Yeah, like, it was look, a different time. If I look at <laughs> pictures of my grandparents, who always look like grandparents. Right. Like, you know, you look back. Even in their wedding photo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, and my mom's like, no, no, they were like 37 yeah. now. You're like, well, that's impossible. I they know. look at least 72. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, your grandparents, but my grandparents, the haircuts that they had on their wedding day out pictures are the same haircuts they had in the casket going yeah. away. Yeah, I guess that's I'm what like, I'm getting at. They I'm always like, look yeah, the same. They, they looked exactly the same. Like, there's <laughs> a benchmark. They, once they <laughs> yeah. reach that mark, they're like, this is the look I'm going right. with. Yep. It's, it's, a, old. it's a winner. <laughs> and they, they round up. They didn't try to look young anymore. Like, no. 36. It's all over. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to impress anyone. I'm just going to put the curlers in, and that's yes, it. I'm done. Curlers. I mean, J-Lo is the same age as B. Arthur was when she started Crazy. on Golden Girls. I was just talking about no. this the other Were day. Were you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Golden yes. Girls. I love the Golden Girls. But... Amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Estelle Getty was in her 50s. Yes. What? I'm pushing 50 now. She, she was looked, the youngest. She, looked... she was the youngest. Estelle Getty? She was. Yeah. They made her look the oldest. But oh, she, she was, looked like she, she was in her eighties. She was, the, 80s. She was yes. the youngest actress because she was playing the, the author's mom. I, yeah, so they, they never folded her this. up. Yeah, I, I mean, we should look up a picture of what she looked like out of makeup. Yes, I've always meant to do that. I, I never know. have, but she was like fifty-three or something when she wow. took that role. She was my favorite. Oh yeah, as someone Sophia? who loves my favorite mm-hmm. uh, 
section in Mad Magazine with snappy answers to stupid questions, and I'm like, that's all she that's was. That's all she was. No, she, she was yes. just the most sarcastic person. Mm-hmm. Uh, every line started with, no. And yeah. I, like, <laughs> I, I remember watching that show as a kid, you know, kind of laughing along, but I mean, like... It was funny. It was funny yeah. as a kid, but if, if you watch a rerun now, it's actually fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. And it's it's primarily her that carries the show. Yeah. Everyone else was good, and they Everyone had their part. Her mom, Dorothy would set her up. Yeah. Uh, they, Be- Betty White had her own little, like... They were a great all ensemble. Yeah. Completely. And Blanche was just a slut. Yes. And that was her shtick. Right. She was like a one She trick, owned it. One trick good pony. for you, Blanche. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, me and my friends, you know, like, we'd be in, in you know, the cafeteria at lunch. I'm like... Mm-hmm. Would you? Would you do, Blanche? Would you? <laughs> Thank God. It wasn't just me and my degenerate friends. We all had that conversation. And we were 12. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I think I would. I think yeah. I would. I mean, I mean, um, between the four of them, yes. Well, yeah. Down. If you're going to F Mary Kale, you're going to F Blanche, right? Yeah, right. I mean. <laughs> I knew you guys were my people. Okay, where are we in the program? Let me look at my notes here. November 1 of 2022, episode 117, we had a guest by the name of Mitzi Ann Picardo. She is a transgender woman in the comedy scene. She does a Sunday fun day open mic at Jacques Cabaret. That's how I really got to know her. Actually, I got to know her from some other work prior to that, but... um, she offers a great opportunity to uh, work out some new material, and I've seized that opportunity several times. Mitzi's a good friend. So I'm happy to reintroduce her onto this show. And what we're talking about here is um, we're getting the transgender perspective on uh, Dave Chappelle's comedy from someone who's actually a comedian as well. So... Interesting viewpoints here. Enjoy. I feel like people kind of know what they're in for once you go on the stage. Like you mm-hmm. have a presence, and and the boobs are definitely out. Usually, <laughs> well, usually, yeah. This is yeah. This is my non-alpha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you look good on stage. You had a yeah. picture the other day. Uh, all in black. Oh, and yeah, that yeah. Was, where that was, was that? Um, Club Cafe, yeah. Yeah, that was nice. Nice yeah. photo. Okay, so we can't talk about comedy and transgender issues without bringing up uh, Dave Chappelle's Netflix uh, series, his contract with them. I feel like when it comes to comedy, Bill Burr... Are you writing this down? This is a... This is a, it's a hot take. It's a hot, t- hot, hot take. <laughs> I think Bill Burr is the funniest comedian today. But I think that Dave Chappelle is the most important comedian of our time. Reaction? I, you know, I don't want to label anybody the funniest comedian. I think. Well, it's subjective. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I think he is definitely one of. I mean, they're both kings and are. Yeah, you know, they're. Mm-hmm. Who's your like Mount Rushmore of comedy? If you could pick like your four. Good favorite. question. I, Dave Chappelle's up there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Louis Black. I, yeah, you know, just. I, he's one of the smartest comics out there. Um, just I, seeing him on stage, there I, there was a um, a downspout or something. I think it's called. It's not quite a tornado. It's like the wind and the. Mm-hmm. But 
he was playing the Hantum Coliseum, and I was there to see him. It was for my birthday, and it's like the lightning and the thunder going on outside, and all of a sudden the lights went off, and uh, uh, like lightning was outside, and like electricity went from the mic right to his lip. No way! Oh my god! You could see it <laughs> from the audience, and he dropped the mic, and he's like, "What the?" Heck? And, <laughs> but he just picked up and didn't. Miss a beat. Wow. He just got like, it looked like it. He got electrocuted. He got shocked on stage. Like, he got zapped. But (laughs) he just kept going. I was like, that is a professional. Yeah. 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 I saw him at Foxwoods. He is, he's very funny. Now, I, when I grew up in Boston as a mm-hmm. kid, when I was 18, I was a bouncer in a couple of bars uh, Tom Maloney owned, and one of them was played against Sam's, and they had a comedy cellar. And we had Stephen Wright, Bob Goway, Ooh, uh, yeah. oh, wow. Billy West, Steve Sweeney, wow. and just, just like endless amounts of comedy. Mm-hmm. So to me, those guys, I don't think I would ever be at, at what their level is. That's just... Yeah, I don't know. They were you keep going. You just keep doing it. I feel like that's I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's like anything. You, you just if you practice and tone your craft, you're just going to get better and better. It's like I'm a chef. It's the same yep. thing as, as cooking food. Right. The more you cook, it, then you, you can do it in your sleep. And the more right. you get on stage, the more you yeah. write. Exactly. Yeah. The more comfortable mm-hmm. you get. My wife can cook now. I'm so excited. Yeah. I know because she never cooked. And she now, never cooked. She yeah. made me do it. And then I loved cooking, and then it started feeling like a chore. So I started like, what do you call that? Uh, something incompetence. Oh, weaponized incompetence. Yeah, I started doing that. You know, like where you just sort of like. I feel like you'd be so much better at it than me. <laughs> and, yeah, she took it over. She for Christmas she wanted like five cookbooks. I'm like, you got it. I'll well, give you her, six. For her retirement, the ladies and I got her a cooking class. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes, thank you. So, so wait, can we go back to the closer for a second? Yes, because I yes. just yeah. want to circle back because. He, that special had a lot of jokes that involved trans the transgender community. I, I, think, and I thought they were funny jokes. So did I. I, I do. I, so, I what, so what's the what's the deal? All these yeah. woke white women are like well, all pissed you know, off. Well, some people just don't have a sense of humor. I mean, I yeah. I got booted off a transgender convention <laughs> here, the first, called first event. I brought the idea of them to do comedy at the event mm-hmm. uh, and they first show they wanted to do it like in the middle of the uh, fashion show and they asked if i would go up and do 10 15 minutes and i'm like yeah then they're like okay oh, you have to send this tape to the or let this girl michelle know your material mm-hmm. and i Ooh, that's I, a bad sign I, yep. yeah so I, I i sent her a clip and and, and the, one of the jokes was um I don't understand the dating. You know, you guys with your dating apps and stuff. I mean, really? You need an app to date? I can go to the corner and get a date. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shit, they're going to give me a couple hundred bucks. They're going to drop me off an hour later. It's like a win-win situation. <laughs> and she goes, that's very derogatory towards all transgender women. Is it? And I, I'm I, like... I don't- that's the way society looks at us. That's a joke about right. the way people think mm-hmm. all trans women are prostitutes. We're not. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, there's a few of us special ones like me that make money, but the rest of you guys have to be <laughs> <laughs> And, like, self-deprecation is yes. funny, that's, right? And that's what I was trying to tell her. Yeah. Was, was that's it, what comedy is, is yes, self-deprecation. Yes. Was this person yeah. transgender themselves? Yes. And, and she, and she yeah. was, so see, this is the thing. Like, and then even I was your... replaced with a cis white comic. Stop. Get the fuck out. So, so they took an opportunity away yeah. from yeah. someone within their own community yep. that you could argue was marginalized yep. and gave it to someone yep. else. 
Interesting. Well, this is why everyone's so confused because you guys, you guys, whatever, can't even like. Oh, it's come, not just. It's you not, guys can't even figure the it out. It's the whole LGBT. I mean, there's in the whole gay community. Um, there's such a rift between like there. Oh, this is drama. Tell us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do, the, do the L's yeah. and the G's like get, get into fights? Or? Well, at times, yeah. yeah. But, you know, well, they're, they're interested in two different things. Mm-hmm. You know, there's really not a... In the, in the old days when it wasn't accepted, yep. there would be lesbians in, in a bar and engaged men in the bar. And then if the cops came, they mangled. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that's how, for years, they had gotten away so, with it. That's what a lot of these clubs did. And... Mm-hmm. Um, but they, you don't see that anymore. It's like there's like oh this club, and, but just even like amongst the gay men, you have the bears, and then you have right. the fairies, and this mm-hmm. this group doesn't like that group because that one's oh he acts like a pansy, and you know it's like <laughs> oh yeah he's really happy he's gay. Okay, batting cleanup from June 13 of 2023. That's last year. Episode 149, we had Mike O'Brien. Mike O'Brien wears a lot of hats. Boston comic. Duck boat tour operator guide. And man on the street interview. This guy, the Boston Globe did a news story on the fact that Mike O'Brien has been a man on the street interview on the evening news like 50 times. I don't know. It was like ridiculous. So the news is doing a story about a guy who's always on the news. <laughs> Here's Mike O'Brien. How many times have you been on a news story in the Boston area? I don't. I don't even know. It's over. 20. A lot. You got a yeah, I would say reel. over twenty. It's my sizzle reel is like three minutes long. <laughs> Um, and there's then, a the news story about you being a man on the there's street. There's a news story. How... There's, I was in the Boston Globe about yeah. being the man on the street. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. There's a news story about you being on the news. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> that's, that sums up the newspaper. Yeah. Is that a slow news day? Yeah. <laughs> um, the way, and the way I, the joke I do about it on stage is like 20 years ago, if you told me I had a two page article in the Boston Globe, I figured I would be on a plane to LA to have my own sitcom and bang a bunch of 20 year olds. And, like, <laughs> and now I'm in, and, Nick's comedy stop with sticky floors as they're blaring music downstairs for someone's quinceanera. You know, it's just like no one cares. No one cares that I was in the Boston Globe. I'm not even lying. 20 years ago, you would have thought like I'm the most famous person on earth. It would have been the biggest deal ever. And now everyone's like, oh, that's cute. (laughs) I I love the picture of you uh, talking to the camera with your Boston Celtics jersey on, like you just look like oh, a Boston, Boston man Boston. on the street. So like, what happened? That is right off the street. Yep. So what? That was one of the um, that was one of the the buildings collapsed in North End. So what happens yeah. in the North End is they gut these places from that were built in like the 1800s, and then all of a sudden, just me, uh, my hypothesis of the situation is then they're like, oh, this is way more expensive than we thought it was. And then all of a sudden when no one's there, it just collapses all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Like oh. the inside of it. Like the floors just collapse. Which I don't know how that happens. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> As the man, Rick, with the man with uh, help everywhere, there's contractors. You've dealt with contractors. <laughs> Things happen. And yeah. so... So twice this has happened where it's on my street. And so the first time that happened was a couple years ago. 
and I and I started immediately tweeting at the news, being like, "Building collapse, building collapse!" Like, come the building. I didn't even call. No one called the police. Oh my god, they're just like <laughs> no one called the building police. collapsed. Building <laughs> collapsed. The news came, and then the police came, and the police officer goes, "Why didn't you call the police?" I was like, "I didn't think I needed to." Like, I don't know. And <laughs> so, <laughs> but I knew the news was coming, and so I went up and I got. My Larry Bird jersey, and I was just like, "Oh, I'm gonna." Wait, you dressed hand this up, up for this. You I dressed, dressed up for that one. <laughs> nice. Oh, I love it, nice. love it. I dressed up for that one. I definitely did the. Uh, and I also, if you watch, I there's some I like really ham up a fake Boston accent. Like oh, I was really, sweet, I was sweet. really into that one. <laughs> and then other ones, I think. But sometimes you're like, "Oh, I'm gonna do this, this, and this," and then you start going, and then you're just like, "Ah, I forgot everything," and then you're just kind of doing it serious, but you're still trying to like add a stupid line. They edited. it. So much. Like, mm-hmm. some, when people sure. are like, why didn't you say? I'm like, I said everything stupid you could possibly say. <laughs> and then they're just like, oh. But then you, at some point, you have to be like, oh, well, it's just thank God no one got hurt, you right. know? And right. then that's, that's what, what they, they put out then there. that's what they mm-hmm. put out there. But then sometimes they do, like, really. And a couple of guys know me now, so they will put, like, me, they know what I'm doing. So they will put, like, the stupid, outrageous things in there. And <laughs> it's starting a little bit, but I haven't done it in a while, so... I haven't I've been a while, a couple months. But <laughs> how did how did and then the, sometimes I get interviewed and they don't put it on. That yeah. pisses me off. Oh, sure, sure. It's such like, a waste of time. Yeah. Now let me ask: How did the Boston Globe catch on to this and decide to do the story? I just made that sizzle reel, and then I just like tagged. What happens is like, like a year ago, the Steve Kerr thing happened. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this. I was on the duck boat, and Steve Kerr was on the sidewalk, and I just started yelling, "Steve Kerr, the head coach of the Warriors." And my lady friend was on board, and she recorded it, and then I put it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to do hashtag Celtics, hashtag NBA Finals, and this thing's going to blow up. And then for like a day and a half, nothing happened. And I was like, what the? Like, how do you, that was when I was just like, how do you become famous on Twitter? If this didn't make it, mm-hmm. how does this happen? And so then someone was like, oh, send it to Only in Boston. Do you know Only in Boston? No. It's no. like an Instagram feed and it has like the daily like story of Boston mm-hmm. or whatever it, you know three facts of things that happen on this day it's a really good thing mm-hmm. and I sent it to them and then they were like who filmed this and I said my girlfriend did and then they had to contact her to, for permission to and then when they reposted it I was at the time during COVID I got a job at the Nashua Street Jail next to the Boston <laughs> Garden and I was sitting in the unit, and then all of a sudden the phone rang, and I was like, the phone never rings in here. And I was just like, hey, they're like, because everyone at work knew that this happened. And then they're like, oh, it just hit. And I was like, what do you mean it just hit? They're like, it's all over the internet. Oh, and then God. I just kept That's getting, awesome. then I just started getting calls like nonstop in my unit. And then <laughs> I came up on the TV, and all the guys, all the guys in jail were like, oh, Brian! <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hell yeah! So funny, you got some street <laughs> cred. Oh, yeah, big but but my favorite. This is a true story. I tell it on stage. But this one guy, who's, it's a very nice guy. He's in jail for slitting a woman's throat. But Aww. he's a very nice what guy. What a sweetheart. He's a nice guy. <laughs> he had a drug problem. He's sober now. He's fine. He's a really nice guy. Anyways, but is he loose on the streets now? No, no, he'll oh, okay. never be yeah. loose on the streets. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he uh, he's really funny, and, and he was just like, "Oh, Brian, you think it's impressive? You're on the news. I was on the news. He was." Was on the news. He was on the news. <laughs> <laughs> I say that on stage. And sometimes, like people just stare at me like that's fucked up. Yeah. And then other times, people just laugh hysterically. It's like, oh, all right, it's a funny joke. But it's not even a joke. It's really happened. <laughs> like it really happened. 
Well, but yeah, I like. Uh, I was taking a sip of water there. Yeah. But yeah, it's weird. It's just you go up to the guys who say, "Do you man need a man on the street?" And they say, "Yes." They never say no. I've yes. waited while they're doing other people, and then I'll go on next, and they'll be like, right, they'll always want more content. They always and, need yeah. more, and you never know. They just want as many people as possible because mm-hmm. you never know what stupid thing someone's gonna right. say. So yeah, nice. yeah. I want to talk about one thing. Driving in, I okay. messaged you, Rick, about this. <laughs> yes, we're dri- I was driving in, and before I even got to your street, I was like, "This is ridiculous." Was the the graduation banners outside of people's houses in the suburbs <laughs> yeah. are just like what the f do you want? To ha- do you want me to knock on your door and be like, is Jessica here? <laughs> I'd like to say congratulations. And they're like, yes. And I'm like, did you just graduate from high school? So you don't have that in the North End. No oh graduation my God, Congratulations. <laughs> I am so proud of you. <laughs> Okay, Scuttlebutts, that's going to do it for this episode of Small Town Scuttlebutt, the only podcast that reacts to the overreactions to small town problems. Um, And uh, we'll be back next week. Liz will be here. It's going to be great. Uh, We'll have more details on what we're going to be doing in the year ahead. Um, I don't know how to close the show. That's, That's Liz's job, and she's not here. So what does she do? I guess I should say goodbye. Uh, check us out on social media. Drop us a line at smalltownscuttlebite.com. Click on send us a message. Great review. All that stuff helps us, you know, algorithmically speaking. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Thanks a lot, guys, for listening. We'll see you later.